Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Hello, everyone. This is Father Eric Teus, the pastor of St. Patrick's Catholic Community in Scottsdale. Today is Good Friday, the only time throughout the entire year that the Catholic Church does not have the celebration of the Mass. But we have what is called the Good Friday service. As of right now, starting yesterday with Holy Thursday Mass, we are now what is called Triduum. That's Latin for three days. And really, in essence, it's one long, continuous liturgy that began with Lent ending and the beginning of the Mass on Holy Thursday. And we move to Good Friday, commemorating the death of Jesus. And then the church waits for that third day on Easter with a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this is a Good Friday service. It's a little different. And so we will begin in a little bit with some silence as we remember the death of Jesus. Then we'll have the proclamation of the scriptures, including the Passion. Tonight is from the Gospel of John. And then we have what is called the general intercessions, the prayers of the faithful. They're a little longer tonight because it's the only time throughout the entire year of the church that the petitions are the same for every parish throughout the world. And so there are 11 intentions that we're praying for, and you will be able to pray along with us at that time. And then a small rite for communion, and then we leave in silence as the liturgy still continues. Thank you for joining us here today for this Good Friday service. In a few moments now, we'll just enter into some silence. You will see me kneel, and we'll then continue this tritum. I invite the community to join me at kneeling at this time, if you wish. Let us pray. Remember your mercies, O Lord, and with your eternal protection, sanctify your servants, for whom Christ your Son, by the shedding of his blood, established the paschal mystery, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. And my friends, let us now be attentive to the word of God. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. See, my servant shall prosper. He shall be raised high and greatly exalted. Even as many were amazed at him, so marred was his look beyond human semblance and his appearance beyond that of the sons of man so shall he startle many nations. Because of him, kings shall stand speechless. For those who have not been told shall see. Those who have not heard shall ponder it. Who would believe what we have heard? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a sapling before him like a shoot from the parched earth. There was in him no stately bearing to make us look at him, nor appearance that would attract us to him. He was spurned 
and avoided by people, a man of suffering, accustomed to infirmity, one of those from whom people hide their faces, spurned, and we held him in no esteem. Yet it was our infirmities that he bore, our sufferings that he endured. While we thought of him as stricken, as one smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes we were healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, each following his own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Though he was harshly treated, he submitted and opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter or a sheep before the shearers, he was silent and opened not his mouth. Oppressed and condemned, he was taken away. And who would have thought any more of his destiny when he was cut off from the land of the living and smitten for the sins of his people? A grave was assigned him among the wicked and a burial place with evildoers. Though he had done no wrong nor spoken any falsehood, but the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light and fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. Therefore, I will give him his portion among the great, and he shall divide the spoils with the mighty, because he surrendered himself to death and was counted among the wicked. And he shall take away the sins of many and win pardon for their offenses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. In the days when Christ was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, 
he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. And with with your your spirit. spirit. A reading from the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kindred Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priest and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So again he asked them, Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that my father gave me? No greater love have we seen before than to lay down your life for a friend. Your sacrifice brings eternal life, this gift that you freely give, no greater love. So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now, the other disciple was known to the high priest, And he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. And so the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid, who was the gatekeeper, said to Peter, You are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made. 
because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in a synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoke wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. No greater love have we seen before than to lay down your life for a friend. Your sacrifice brings eternal life, this gift that you freely give. No greater Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas in the Praetorium. It was morning, and they themselves did not enter the Praetorium in order not to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. At this... Pilate said to them, Take him yourself and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, We do not have the right to execute anyone in order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled that he said indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, 
you say I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. No greater love have we seen before than to lay down your life for a friend. Your sacrifice brings eternal life, this gift that you freely give. No greater love. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged. And the soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him repeatedly. Once more Pilate went out and said to him, Look, I am bringing him out of you to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak. And he said to them, Behold the man! When the chief priest and the guard saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Now when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? Jesus did not answer him. So Pilate said to him, do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and I have power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release him, you are not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king 
but Caesar. No greater love have we seen before than to lay down your life for a friend. Your sacrifice brings eternal life, the gift that you freely Then he handed him over to be crucified. And so they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews. But that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. No greater love have we seen before than to lay down your life for a friend. Your sacrifice brings eternal life, this gift that you freely give. No greater love. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it will be in order that the passage of Scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine, so they put a sponge soaked in wine on a sprig of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, 
he handed over the spirit. Please kneel. Please rise. Now, since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust a lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth so that you also may come to believe. For this happened, so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage says, they will look upon him whom they have pierced. No greater love have we seen before than to lay down your life for a friend your sacrifice brings eternal life this gift that you freely give no greater love after this joseph of arimathea secretly a disciple of jesus for fear of the jews asked pilate if he could remove the body of jesus and Pilate permitted it. And so he came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. It's interesting that Christians call this day Good Friday. And it's almost like you have to see God's mysterious ways in understanding. And so what's interesting for Christians is they really choose to follow Jesus and to gain other people to believe in Jesus, they usually make the statement that says, Jesus died for your sins. And I don't think at times we have the clearest, fullest understanding of what that means, that what is sin. Sometimes we limit it to not breaking commandments, 
not breaking church rules or religious rules. And one can absolve themselves of really any growth, any understanding of what it means to be forgiven of sins and have our sins washed away by saying, I haven't killed anyone. I haven't done anything impure. And I've been nice to people and good. As if that's all there is to it. That judgment comes about then by simply not breaking any rules or avoiding anything that may tempt us. One of the best things I've learned about understanding how God might judge us and what sin is comes from an interesting movie. It's funny how you can see God in everything and get kernels of truth in different places. Mine was found in a movie in 1991 called Defending Your Life. That stars uh, Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. Basically, it's a story of an up-and-coming gentleman in life. And he happens to die. And he goes to a place that is called Judgment City. Now, Judgment City is an interesting place because people all gather there together. You can eat as much as you want, and you get to be able to enjoy all the amenities of what life is about. But each person is assigned to a tribunal of three judges, and you receive a prosecutor of your life and also a defender. And what happens then is on the screens are the things of your life. Now, you and I can remember maybe being taught that Jesus says that everything we do is going to be revealed. There'll be no secrets. And we kind of worry that, well, on that judgment day, all the bad things I did is going to be revealed. But in the movie, they describe the ability to be able to move on with life. Or if you don't, you go back and try again. And what's interesting is, it wasn't about doing evil, bad, breaking rule things. You come to discover that it was fear, being afraid, not taking any risks, not dreaming. That's what kept you from moving forward in life. Now, we believe in resurrection and being with God forever. But maybe we have a better definition of what sin might be. It isn't just simply avoiding the things that break rules or what God tells us not to do. Sin is also being afraid, being fearful, not knowing that we can have the ability to risk and maybe even fail along the way. And that's not the end of us. Right now, As a world and country, we are filled with a lot of fear. We don't have to look very far. As we've mentioned before, look at how we shop. Look at how we try to prepare. Look who we try to protect, ourselves, our loved ones. And there's a real inherent fear in being human of not dying, not catching the illness, not being sick, not watching our loved ones suffer in any way. And so there is a lot of fear. There is a lot of anxiety. But yet, if Jesus died for us to be forgiven of sins and have the sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb, as we would learn in scriptures, maybe it's the freedom not to live in fear. How many times you and I are afraid to risk? Boy, 
if, if we fail, people will make fun of us. Maybe we just always assume the people think the worst of us. And we walk around like we're always bad, we're always insufficient, we're always insecure. And we just live our lives that way because either life has brought us that way or we were taught that. And that's a hard thing to let go. But maybe if we keep coming to the cross, we really realize that Jesus frees us from that fear, from that insecurity, from that lack of self-love. Think about the things in our lives that we regret as we get older. Things that we didn't risk in loving another person but not forgiving another person. How many times have you heard that, I will never forgive you as long as I live. I'm taking this to my grave. I will never forgive you. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. That's not being free from sin. What we have to do is be able to dream, to be able to take chances, be able to risk and love. Maybe risk being vulnerable in a loving relationship. Risk asking for forgiveness from a relationship that has been so much in pain or in darkness. Risk in speaking truth. Not in an unloving way. But one that just simply models it. And invites. And encourages without degrading or humiliating or belittling others. <laughs> that's a hard thing for a lot of Christians to do, unfortunately. But that's what means to be freed from sin. We can't be Christians. We can't be Catholics who figure we can go and ask God for forgiveness and confession, and all we need to say is we haven't done anything wrong. We haven't broken any rules. We've done everything we've been taught what more does God want from me? A lot more. A life of freedom. Americans are some of the most fearful people in the world, and you don't need any proof. Just look. Maybe even look at our own lives. We're so afraid of everything. People in power people who have influence over others, people that you and I look to for ideology, for our politics, for our religion, for our guidance in life. They always can use fear to control us. They can always use their message to make you afraid to keep your attention, to keep you under control. And all we do is we slavishly follow it. Tell us more. We don't care if it's true. We don't care if it's a lie. Just tell us what we want to know. Make us feel safe. And that's why Jesus died, so that people can manipulate us? Or that we just choose to follow and pick what is true and what's not true on our own? Even the church can struggle with that. When the church does it well and simply focuses on the gospel, that's it. No power. No need to convince everyone that the church is right all the time or even being apologetic all the time. It's simply living the gospel. Instead of using fear, if you don't do this, 
You won't get to heaven. If you don't do this, the country's going to go to hell. If you don't do this, that other political party wins. And it keeps us being slaves. And so Jesus didn't die so that you and I can be fearful and filled with anxiety. And yet you and I are living it out all the time. Because we listen to those voices. Because the church is not being listened to. Rightly so sometimes because some of us don't preach it well. But thank God that there are Christians and leaders in the church who do preach, not rules, not regulations, but Jesus Christ. They're there. Otherwise, the church would have fallen apart. We just need more of them. And it might be you and the way you live your life and the way that you just simply model. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to know every rule of the doctrine. You don't even have to know every rule about liturgy. But you do need to trust. You do need to listen. You do need to know that Jesus wants you to risk and dream and take a chance, not play it safe. Jesus died for our sins on the cross so that we can be freed from fear, fear of failure, fear of not being, fear of not being loved, and fear of even being condemned. As mentioned in the beginning of our service here, we have now what is called the general intercession. Eleven petitions to God. So it's a little longer, but I invite you to pray along with everyone because there are some powerful statements being made here. And so we now pray together with every parish these same words, every parish throughout the world. Let us pray, dearly beloved, for the Holy Church of God. That our God and Lord be pleased to give her peace, to guard her and to unite her throughout the whole world, and grant that, leading our life in tranquility and quiet, we may glorify God the Father Almighty. Ever-living God, who in Christ revealed your glory to all the nations, watch over the works of your mercy, that your people, the church, spread throughout all the world, may persevere with steadfast faith in confessing your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for our most holy father, Pope Francis, 
that our God and Lord who chose him for the order of bishops may keep him safe and unharmed for the Lord's holy church to govern the holy people of God. Ever-living God, by whose decree all things are founded, Look with favor on our prayers, and in your kindness protect the Pope chosen for us, that under him the Christian people governed by you, their maker, may grow in merit by reason of their faith, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for our Bishop Olmstead, for all bishops, priests and deacons of the church, and for the whole of the faithful people. Ever-living God, by whose Spirit the whole body of the church is sanctified and governed. Hear our humble prayer for your ministers, that by the gift of your grace may all serve you faithfully. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray also for our catechumens, that our God and Lord may be open the wide the ears of their inmost hearts and unlock the gates of his mercy, that having received forgiveness of all their sins, through the waters of rebirth, they too may be one with Christ Jesus our Lord. Ever-living God, who make your church ever fruitful with new offspring, increase the faith and understanding of our catechumens, that reborn in the font of baptism, they may be added to the number of your adopted children. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray also for all our brothers and sisters who believe in Christ, that our God and Lord may be pleased as they live the truth to gather, to gather them together and keep them in his one church. Ever-living God, who gather what is scattered and keep together what you have gathered, look kindly on your flock of your Son, that those whom one baptism has consecrated may be joined together by the integrity of faith and united in the bond of charity. Through Christ our Lord. 
us pray also for the Jewish people to whom the Lord our God spoke first, that he may grant them to advance in love of his name and in faithfulness to his covenant. Ever-living God, you bestowed your promises on Abraham and his descendants. Hear graciously the prayers of your church, that the people you first made your own may obtain the fullness of redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen, amen. Let us pray also. For those who do not believe in Christ, that enlightened by the Holy Spirit, they too may enter on the way of salvation. Ever-living God, grant to those who do not confess Christ that by walking before you with a sincere heart, may they find the truth that we ourselves, being constant in mutual love and striving to understand more fully the mystery of your life, may be made more perfect witnesses to your love in the world. Through Christ our Lord. Let us pray also for those who do not acknowledge God, that following what is right in sincerity of heart, they may find the way to God himself. Ever-living God, who created all people to seek you always by desiring and by finding you, come to rest and grant, we pray, that despite every harmful obstacle, all may recognize the signs of your fatherly love and the witness of the good works done by those who believe in you, and so in gladness confess you, the one true God and Father of our human race. Through Christ our Lord. Amen, amen. Let us pray also for those in public office that our God and Lord may direct their minds and hearts according to his will for the true priests and freedom of Ever-living God, in whose hand lies every human heart and the rights with authority over us, 
that throughout the whole world, the prosperity of peoples, the assurance of peace, and freedom of religion may through your gift be made secure through Christ our Lord. Amen. That he may cleanse the world of all errors, banish disease, drive out hunger, unlock prisons, loosen fetters, granting traveler safety to pilgrims and return health to the sick. Ever-living God, comfort of mourners, strength of all who toil, may the prayers of those who cry out in any tribulation come before you, that all may rejoice, because in their hour of need, your mercy was at hand. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray, dearly beloved, for a swift end to the coronavirus pandemic that afflicts our world, that our God and Father will heal the sick, strengthen those who care for them, and help us all to persevere in faith. Merciful God, source of all life, health, and healing, look with compassion on our world, brought low by disease. Protect us in the midst of grave challenges that assail us, and in your fatherly providence grant recovery to the stricken, strength to those who care for them, and success to those working to eradicate this scourge. Through Christ our Lord. Amen, amen. My friends, at this time, we will be venerating the cross. If you happen to have a cross or crucifix at home or a place where you're watching, uh, you're welcome to have that out there. And in a few moments, together we can venerate the cross of Jesus Christ. Behold the wood of the cross On which hung the salvation of the world Come let us adore Come let us adore Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 